We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. It is Tuesday morning, the 8th, and it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. Scott, we have actual football just four days away. Uh, How are you doing this morning? I mean, Friday, right? Friday, we got Broncos preseason Cardinals. That sounds right. I look at enough teams that I get them confused. I got them confused yesterday when I said one of them was playing Saturday. I'm like, no, that was a different team. All confused. But that means there's lots of football headed our way. Yep, lots of new football and uh, a lot of big football news this week, too. Obviously, the Broncos, uh, the offense has been uh, picking it up a little bit, it sounds like. Justin Simmons hurts his groin. And uh, so he's show, hopefully will be a little bit better. I saw. I want to give a shout out to Cam Parker. I saw a tweet saying, uh, Justin Simmons can have my groin. Uh, if it'll get him back out there. So I was like, oh, freezing. Come on. But uh, no, it's uh football is coming back and a uh, huge, huge news in the football landscape too, with uh, the inevitable dissolution. Is that a word that the, the PAC 12 RIP uh, with the uh, Washington and Oregon off to the big 10 and then Arizona state, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado to the big 12 football. It's always changing. It always can. It'll continue to change, but Man, what a seismic change in all of football. I know this is a Denver Broncos show, but like that's going to impact all of football, I'm assuming, going forward. So worth talking about. I just wonder, you know, I mean, they've got that unholy coalition between the NFL and NCAA, but now they're, in a sense, will be in competition with players because they'll be paying, everybody will be getting paid. So it could be more of a relationship like we see with MLB and the NCAA where the MLB doesn't really care about the, they're, they're in competition for players. So instead of, yes, go to our feeder programs for three years and then you will be drafted, you know, maybe they have to draft them and then try and sign them. We'll see. It's a, it's kind of a mess. I just, I just wonder for like who really survives outside of the top 40 programs now that it's turning into professional football. It's going to be interesting. It sounds like the the eye now, Sauron's eye now falls on the ACC and uh, Notre Dame as well. A big chip to f- uh, potentially fall. We'll see what happens there. And also had heard that the Big 12, kind of a pretty savvy move by the Big 12 here. The teams agreed to have less revenue share bringing in these teams. So they're all going to be making less money, you know, less piece of the pie uh, to bring in these four schools from the Pac-12. But doing so is kind of a move of self-preservation because they were worried that if we didn't take these teams, ACC could, or the PAC 12 could as well. So they're eating up what they can. And uh, I know they're talking about a power four uh, being the case now in uh, with the PAC 12. It, it made sense 15 years, 20 years ago to say, let's go to four 16 team leagues and you run the playoffs out of there. But who, who knows? Anyway, I, I, everybody wants to talk Broncos here. That's what's stacking up here, Nick. Absolutely. But interesting and uh, glad to see what's uh, going on. Not glad, but interesting to follow. And I wanted to give a shout out. I know we have some, Oregon State and Washington State uh, fans in here. I'm not sure about Cal and Stanford, but I wanted to give some condolences to their football programs because I am not sure what it means to those programs. I guess you might be joining the Mountain West here and uh, running running those things pretty well. But uh, interesting landscape of college football and always worth talking about because this is a overall this is a Broncos show, but we talk a lot of uh, college and uh, draft as well. And this is going to impact those conversations without a doubt. So 
Let's say hello to some people in here, bringing it back to the Broncos. Kevin Gray, Morning Nick and Scott, Big Mile High Salute Broncos Country, uh, Denver Broncos for Life, MHH for Life, Game Week. Good to see you. Good to see you, Kevin. Dave Glassman's in here. Good to see you. Donald Willison, Morning Nick and Scott. Hope you're doing well, Donald. He says, I do think that Russell will have a year for himself. Anyone who's had a naysayer and has pride will do everything they can to prove themselves. I hope so. I also hope that, you know, he's been in the spotlight long enough now that he just needs to kind of, you know, circle the wagons and uh, pay attention to him himself and his team, not pay too much attention to what's going on outside of his own uh, craft and work, but hoping that he does have a bounce back year. What does a bounce back year look like? Is he going to return to the hall of fame trajectory? Or is it going to be better than what would, what would you say last year? Bottom five, 10 quarterback in the NFL last year, probably around there. I mean, it was I mean, passing game. You can say that pretty well. Um, you know, there's, there's lots to blame, you know, mm-hmm. so, but you can, you can say without fail, uh, bottom 10 passing game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, uh, not a good time, uh, last season for the Broncos and Russell Wilson, but hopefully this year will be better. And if not, uh, changes will come from the head coach who does not, uh, accept failure, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, he, he knows what good quarterback play looks like. And if he's not getting it, I don't think he is a uh, too small of a man to, uh, sit there and be like, Oh, that's Russell Wilson. We can't do anything about it. He don't care. Sean Payton don't care. I don't think. Troy Bauer coming in our first super chat of the day. Thank you so much, Troy. Nine ninety nine. Troy always comes in with a nine ninety nine, and I'm really loving the. Uh, is that a? Uh, oh God, what kind of dog is that in the picture? It's the big, huge white ones. Is it Pyrenees? Is that the, the, uh, the Pyrenees? Type? My neighbor across the street has three of them. Wow, just you have lived with three clouds. Two hundred and fifty, hundred and eighty pounds, I think, is the male. That's about four hundred and fifty pounds of dog. They bought them their own car. They have a minivan with sliding doors and a low access floor just for the dogs. (laughs) Man, people blame millennials for going all out for their dogs, but they need to talk to your neighbors. My God. And and the funny thing is, that's the only car that gets in the garage. They don't want the minivan in the driveway. (laughs) Understandable. Well, love Great Pyrenees. Beautiful dogs. And uh, shout out to you, Troy. Hope you're doing well. Says, hey guys, those predictions are bold. We'll get to those in a second. Pro Football Focus released three predictions for every AFC West team, and they are bold. Uh, it says, would obviously love for them to come true. Can you compare how Atlanta and Denver camps are run, what you prefer, and what you think are the most effective? Ah, oh, man, it's so hard to say because these are all professionals, right? And it's a lot easier when, from especially from where Scott and I sit, uh, in hindsight, what works and doesn't work. Uh, but again, I'm still, I think it comes down more so to the individual players and talent more than anything else at the end of the day. Uh, but Atlanta, I think is doing uh, good stuff as well. I think the big difference is that Atlanta is trying to integrate a relatively young quarterback uh, with a still a relatively new head coach where Denver has Russell Wilson, who's been around the block a few times and Sean Payton, who, I mean, commands respect. I mean, he's one of five, probably the most respected ac- most accolade coaches in the NFL. This year. I don't think there's much of a difference. It was last year with, you know, for the most part, camps are camps. They're, mm-hmm. You're not trying to reinvent the wheel and do all of these type of things. Last year was completely different with Nathaniel Hackett. They didn't really do much. It's like, we're just going to do walkthroughs and we're going to have everybody ready for the games, you know, healthy and ready for the games. You know, how did that work out? Um, not so well. Uh, but both teams, I think you're going to see similar identities. Uh, in Atlanta and Denver, and that both want to be physical, both want to run the ball, both want to stop the run, both want to get after the quarterback. So I don't see a whole lot of difference. And where it will become, you know, which is going to be most effective, that's going to come down to to game day. You know, as far as the camps go, I think both teams will be similarly similarly prepared. Then it's going to come down to game day decisions and personnel. At the end of the day, I mean, Scott, I think you and I disagree somewhat on this to at least the extent, uh, but in the NFL, it's it's a player's league, and I think players make up 90% of the impact on the game, and 10% is a lot uh, for coaching staff and other stuff, but uh, it's a player's league. If you don't have the right players, then it's you're going to have a hard time. I mean, Bill Belichick hasn't made the playoffs uh, since Tom Brady walked out the door, and he's considered the greatest coach of all time. So obviously, the uh, the rise of Josh Allen and the Bills, but again, comes back again, pointing to uh, the players. But if you have totally incompetent coaching staff, then it's it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be hard. Your to assumption on that is that the the coaching should be fairly level at a high level across mm-hmm. the board, yeah. uh, and it's not. Um, it's not you. You've <laughs> you haven't had to you know face 
one of the dregs franchises for a long time. You know, it's like, well, these guys get all these high draft picks. How come they suck year after year after year after year after year? And it comes down to bad ownership, making bad decisions for for money. But that you know, that comes down to players and, and increasing the players. My my thought on this was, you know, this goes back to was Sean Payton worth the first round draft pick? There isn't any first round draft pick that you were going to get that was going to make a bigger impact on this team than Sean Payton. You couldn't convince me that. There's just no way. Um, even going up into the top five, but certainly not in the bottom five of, of first round draft picks. It was, there's just no way you were going to be able to convince me that this Denver Broncos team would be better with a first round draft pick than they would with a rookie head coach and against Sean, against instead of Sean Payton. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, but we will see. Want to continue on here because um, Sean Payton may fall flat on his face. It may blow up on him. This is a very similar group of players to Nick's point who have not had a lot of success in their history, and they may tuck tail at the first sign of adversity. They've done it before. I don't expect that to happen. But when we start going through what could go wrong, that could go wrong, uh, and then they're going to blow this whole thing up, and you're going to see an entirely new. Anybody that's got three plus years of tenure on this team will be gone. <laughs> it yeah. will be a total. We, we've talked about the nuke button a lot if this season goes bad. And it won't be Sean Payton. It'll be the rest of the Denver Broncos. Donald Willison Jr. coming in. Appreciate you coming in green. He says the doldrums are finally over. Football is finally here. Who do you think will make the team as an undrafted player? I think that's a fairly easy one, Nick. Uh, right now, the name who really stands out to me as an undrafted player who's been making some headway is uh, PJ Mustafer on the defensive line. It sounds like he's been really impressing in the camps, and you might have a situation coming up here where you can save a solid bit of coin going younger, uh, keeping PJ Mustafer kind of that nose tackle one technique spot, and moving on from Mike Purcell, who has not been available uh, in camp so far. Your best availability. Uh, your best ability is availability and Purcell was solid last season for the Broncos. But if you can go younger and cheaper at the position and save some money and somebody who have more years of cost control, that's something you can consider. So uh, I wanted to give a shout out to PJ Mustafer. I know we've been talking a lot about the uh, defensive line and he's one who has had a few splash plays here and there. I think it's probably more likely ends up practice squad, but he's somebody that I have highlighted circled in pen, uh, that um, keeping an eye on for splash plays and uh, no low lights in preseason. I, I think the the one that we've been talking about probably the most, the most common name I've heard, and because you didn't say him, it made me think. Wait a minute, he was undrafted, right? I had to like doubt myself. Was Jaleel McLaughlin, mm-hmm. uh, running back, who has a really good chance to be the the running back three on this team, maybe two, depending on how slow they go with Javante Williams again. If we didn't know anything about Javante Williams, we wouldn't be talking about Javante Williams right now because everything seems fine. So let's keep going that direction. That would be great. 
Uh, It's just still beyond our realm of belief that he could be out there week one. It's still, until I see it, I'm going to be like, I mean, we keep hearing it. We keep seeing it. He's saying it. He's out there. He's doing it. It really is miraculous. Yeah. It's a miracle. It's a, it's the, the odds that you're defining, you say, you know, I'm not saying like God given miracle, but I'm talking about if you hit the lottery, it's a miracle. His percentage of chances of coming back from these injuries in less than one year is astronomically small. And if he can do it, it's a freaking miracle. Highly, And and that's good. I'm here for it. Yeah. Because right now it looks like that's happening. I, I'm curious to see what his workload will be like in this first preseason game. And that's something that, you know, I want to see that. I'm sure he as well, that first hit, that first tackle, what does it look like? How does he respond to that? Hopefully it's all good. But that's like a lot of times players come back from injury and they want to get that first time, you know, getting that wind knocked out of them and, uh, f- you know, feeling like, okay, we're back in the groove. Not so scary. This is more normal. Uh, I've done this before. If he so much as gets a carry in, in this weekend, he's playing week one. Yeah, and I think he will get a carry, but I think it's probably going to be one series kind yeah. of work from him. But because even, we one, need... even one, yeah. just to go out there and get hit, because st- we still have another month. He's got mm-hmm. another month of recovery time before week one even comes around. Yeah, I mean, what a difference between get out there, see how it feels. The only way you're really going to know is to get out there and, and take some hits, as opposed to, eh, starters, you, you sit out over here. You know, mm-hmm. we'll we will we'll save you for week one and then we'll look completely discombobulated for week one. Yeah. Uh appreciate one more, you, Donald. Yeah, appreciate you, Donald. Five dollars uh coming in there. Wanted to also give a shout out to the other guy who might make this team as a uh undrafted free agent in this cycle. Uh Taylor Grimes has been getting a little bit of run um now that the wide receiver room has opened up. Uh wide wide receiver from Incarnate Word. Uh, did pretty well there with Cam Ward there at Incarnate Word two years ago. So keep an eye out for him as well. Uh, from what I have gathered, it sounds like Brendan Johnson actually has uh, really taken the Tim Patrick mantle uh, since the injury happened there. But you're also without KJ Hamler. So uh, I think uh, Taylor Grimes is another name to just to keep an eye on in the preseason process because we're all interested in these undrafted free agents. One more, I would think he's a lock to at least make the practice squad is Edge Thomas Incombe from Central Michigan. Um, and I, it wouldn't totally surprise me to see him get some game action somewhere during the 17 games, but Mm -hmm. Thomas Incombe edge central Michigan. I think he makes the 69 53 plus the 16 on your practice squad. I think he's either, but you have, the thing is everybody who forgets this, you have to waive those guys for them to sign to the practice squad. Oh, he's a practice squad edition. Well, to get to the practice squad, you have to cut them first. You can't just assign them to the practice squad. So I would be keeping an eye on Thomas Incombe if I was an edge needy team and like, okay, what are the Broncos going to do with this guy? Cause we'll put a claim in for him. So, but I think Thomas Incombe is a, is a candidate to be a, a player as well. Yeah. It's always interesting. Cause we talk about the undrafted or the, uh, the practice squad guys and waving like, Oh my God, if we wave that guy, somebody will poach him. And then last year it was like only like no, three or four guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's there are seriously, there's, maybe two dozen players that change teams. Maybe it's like one per team. Maybe out of the 16 that you're allowed to sign the 15 that you will sign will come from this current group of 90. Yep. And then one might be somebody that you wasn't on any roster. (laughs) Yep. It's always odd with that, but it's always like, Oh, not pearl clutching, but like, Oh my God, if we wave this guy, there's no chance you bring him back. But then every year it's like almost every single guy that's waved. Can yeah, be brought one back, I would so. keep I would be keeping an eye on as an NFL general manager as I would be keeping an eye on Thomas Incombe. Yeah. Yes, without a doubt. I'm keeping an eye on Stuart Sanchez coming in 499 saying hi. Hello to you, Stuart. Hope you're hi. doing well. Happy Tuesday to you, 8823. And uh, if you got any questions for us, hit us up. Let us know. Hope you're doing well. And we appreciate you coming in and supporting the show. If you guys want to be like Stuart, hit the super chat, hit the super uh, like, super follows. And uh, we really do appreciate that, Stuart. So appreciate you coming in. Michael Ronquillo, shout out to you. Says, good morning, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos and Buckham. Michael, I'm sorry to hear about your mother's dog. Uh, I believe it was Sassy uh, was the name. 16 years. So uh, six, he said 16 dog years. So I'm curious if it was only two years. Okay. Old I, I read 16. Versus, you know, that's about right for a smaller dog. That's a long time. Yeah. So I guess you'll, you'll have to let us know, Michael, but either way, um, that's really sad. So I, I read 16 dog years, which I think eight years is one human year for dog years, but hope you're doing well. Uh, Harold Jean comes in, says what date does Sean Payton have to release the depth chart, even though it's in pencil? 
I'm assuming we'll see a depth chart here this week. Uh, if not, then we can kind of read the tea leaves uh, for what who gets uh, snaps and whatnot in the preseason game. That but, said, uh, those are unofficial. Even yes. on the official site, those are unofficial. So, Harold, the answer to your question is he doesn't. What date does Sean Payton have to release the depth chart? He doesn't. He doesn't ever have to release the depth chart. The writers for DenverBroncos.com will put one in pencil and put it on the official site. But those are unofficial. Like you said, even if it's in pencil, it's actually unofficial. There is no official depth chart. They're not required to do that. Um, when I read this question, though, I looked it up, and it's Tuesday, August 29th is the cutdown day. That's the next official day where you have to do something. 90 to 53. I don't think there's a ramp up, ramp down period this year, Nick. I think it's you go 90 to 53 now. Because it yeah. was 90 to 85 to 80 to 53. Now I think it's you're you're making 37 cuts. You know, and, and they may do some of that in order anyway and pare it down sooner, but it's gonna be a, a busy day. Um yeah. 30, 37 cuts. Yeah, without a doubt. It'll be interesting to follow, but uh yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of putting a lot of these guys in my own mental order uh from watching the game tape. Gatorade Gaming coming in saying, hey, Scott, are Falcons really going to make a, a Cordell Patterson a camp casualty? Surely they can find room for such a versatile player. Um, Let me see here. I put this on Atlanta Falcons fans on all Falcons. Uh, it says, hard to argue which of these predictions is more outlandish. And the headline for the, the article was, Falcons projected to make ridiculous roster cut. No. It's not happening this year. There wouldn't be a cap casualty. They'd save like $1 million for Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson is not going anywhere with for the Atlanta Falcons this year. Next year, maybe. Maybe. You know, he's 33. Last year of a contract. Maybe next year. But not this year. No way. No freaking way. Yeah. Yeah, no ways. We got uh, Darius Simmons coming in, 499, saying it's been forever since I caught you all live. Well, good to have you here, Darius. Hope you're doing well. Excited for the game Friday and even more excited to attend the meet and greet, Broncos country. Yeah, excited for the meet and greet as well. Uh, we'll be out there. Was it week seven, the Broncos uh, Packers game? Maybe it's week eight or nine. Either way, it's Broncos Packers on October 22nd. That's the part I know. I know. So, uh, <laughs> it's the Packers game going to see the uh, Packers. That'll be a lot of fun. Big uh, historic franchise and the uh, the Jordan Love era. So Broncos, I, I mean, we're too far away to say it's a must-win game, but sandwiched between the two Kansas City games, Denver better damn well win that game is all I can say. So hope it's going well for them at that point. Going well is Daniel Swofford coming in here. $10 super chat with uh, no comment on it, but we appreciate you. And a comment here says, uh, saw Jared Allen was at practice yesterday, decked out in Broncos gear. Was he just visiting or working with Broncos in some capacity? I'm sure he was just uh, visiting, um, and I don't think he's got a official contract or anything, but uh, shout-out to Jared Allen. Always appreciated the Chiefs uh, trading him away uh, to uh, the Vikings because he was a fun player, and I did not enjoy him beating up on the Broncos quarterbacks and enjoyed him much more in Minnesota. No, and, and I think Daniel is asking if he is getting a job, not necessarily a, a place on the team. So, um I haven't heard anything. We haven't, you know, listening to the pod last night, um, being in the chat, there wasn't any talk of him possibly coming in in some sort of advisory role. So don't know, don't know what's going on there. Where did he go to college? Idaho State. I think he was like a long snapper and a pass rusher. Okay, he was a small school guy. Fifth yeah, I mean, pick. there's there's another guy. You're too young. You still might have heard of him. It was a guy named Kevin Green. Was a walk on punter at Auburn and turned into like Hulk Hogan. I mean, just a monster who's an LA Ram for a long time, probably is in the hall of fame. A uh, very similar type of, of path like that. Yeah. Jared Allen, fun player, a lot of good personality. always thought he was a very good player and uh, underrated overall. Uh, Darius Simmons um, says, did we hear anything about the Shelby Harris visit? Did it go well? I have not heard anything about it, but the fact that it's happened and there's been no contract yet makes me think that the door is open, but uh, definitely nothing uh, progressing. Now, if, the defensive line gets beat up by a terrible Cardinals offensive line this upcoming week. Uh, then maybe we see some moves happen there. But uh, the, the fact that he was even in... just went up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. But I think <laughs> I'll come in for I, two. We'll offer you one seven five, and then after a Bills like performance last year, I want two five. Yeah. Um, the only thing that that Peyton said after that about the Shelby Harris visit was, yeah, he's a good player. He's local, so it makes sense. So we came in. We'll we'll continue to look at some guys. That was basically all he said about it. So not much there. Doesn't mean it's over. Doesn't mean um, doesn't mean no. Just might mean not yet. And it, it, it might mean no, but it uh, there's no real news there yet, Darius. Yeah, nothing, nothing yet. But uh, we'll keep an eye on it and see how everything's going there for the Broncos. Gatorade Gaming, good to see you. Chase Wellner, hope you're doing well. Mark says, starting to get real excited. Loving Sean. The new coaches demand excellence. Do like that as well. Alberto's in the house and morning all. Just worked 10-hour night shift and now came straight to the day shift. Running on two Red Bulls and hoping for you guys to keep me up. Let's have a good show today. Broncos for life. Well, make sure you're getting food and water as well, Alberto. If you're sacrificing sleep, at least get some sustenance and don't uh, don't just live on those Red Bulls. I have a family member who's a big on the energy drinks. And let me tell you, kidney stones, kidney stones, kidney stones. So make your sounds like you're working maybe healthcare. That's a lot of those shifts like that. So uh, take care of yourself too, Alberto. We appreciate that. And hopefully this can be a little bit of a, uh, an energy boost for you too. Jeremy, Sean, morning fellas, actual football will be played this week. Sean Payton era is upon us. Good to see you, Jeremy. Always want to say hello to everybody coming. You don't have to give a super chat to uh, for us to say hello in here, but if you do give a super chat, we'll definitely say hello to you in here. Chase Wellner, you guys are buying the hype on Benito and Cooper. Scott, I'll pin this. To, I'll kick this over to you. Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper have had very good camps, uh, reportedly, especially in pass rush specifically, and a little bit of optimism uh, for the Broncos' overall depth in the edge rushing room, which was a major question mark entering this offseason. So I would have to quantify this. It's like the same thing when someone says, "Well, that guy's overrated." Okay. Well, what do you rate him? before I'm going to tell you if he's overrated or not. I had that stuff a lot of doing that when I was ranking players. So in this one, what is the hype? Do I think Benito and Cooper can be better than they were last year? Yeah, I do. Now, is the hype that they're going to come in here and be the second coming of Von Miller and be destroyers? No, I'm not buying. Can they be seven sack guys? We'll see. Am I, be, am I buying that? Not yet. Not yet. I want to see. I've got to start seeing it. And then I'll buy in. And even then it can be close. Who is it? Malik Reed. He was an eight sack guy a couple years in a row, right? Yep. Couldn't get a job. You know, so again, when you're in training camp, there's always balance. It's the same team. This is a Denver Bronco and this is a Denver Bronco. If this guy is succeeding, it means this guy over here is failing. Is this guy succeeding because this guy is struggling? Or what? You don't know. You don't know yeah. for sure. Now I can get an idea. Hey, looks like he's put on some weight and is still moving really well. Okay, that's fine. But until you start going against guys who are going to earn a paycheck on Sundays, and that doesn't necessarily mean preseason, that are trying to beat you, you really don't know what you've got yet. And even then, it can take a couple games. So yeah. am I buying the hype? I don't know what I'm buying yet. So no. Am I encouraged from what I hear and I'm willing to say, okay, this could be good? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, I'm buying the hype to an extent. I've definitely been a Nick Benito, uh, not a detractor, but very harsh on him because I thought his run fits and uh, edge setting were so poor that it made him a very tough player and uh, a tough player to evaluate and find a pathway to the field. But what he does very well is he's a very bendy, twitched up pass rusher, loose hips, flexible, and can get after the quarterback. There's value in that. Uh, but what is the long-term starting value for an edge at that? I don't know. But it sounds like he's been unleashed uh, to a certain extent um, in this uh, 
in camp, at least so far, getting after guys, uh, especially some of those like Mike McGlinchey. He's been eating up McGlinchey, who's had some issues in his career against more finesse, twitched up, bendy edge rushers. So with his 6'9 frame, kind of makes sense, the guys that can get under his pads. Uh, but we'll, I want to see what it looks like in a game setting because in practice, it's a very set, uh, artificial setup scenarios. And in a game, let's say you say you see number 42 out there and it's second and six and he's out there against the right tackle. Well, you know what I'm doing if I'm the quarterback there? I'm audible into a run play mm-hmm. right at him right. Um, in practice settings. That's not really happening uh, so much. So I'm curious to see what it looks like when you're playing actual football, not these artificially set up scenarios and objectives that you're working on in a practice setting. So curious to see what that looks like. Either way, though, I th- I'm expecting steps forward from Benito and Cooper. I don't know if I... S- with either of them, I don't know if I still feel like either of them are good starting caliber options, but as far as a guys that are in your rotation of edge rushers that you have there, with, along with Frank Clark and Randy Gregory, assuming that they, you know, continue to stay healthy, that can be a pretty darn good one through four. You don't have a dominant, you know, all pro straw that serves the drink kind of guy on that defensive front, uh, but you have some talent there and some depth. So I'm excited to see what Cooper and Benito can do. Again, I'm going to be very much uh, paying attention to the defensive and offensive line in preseason this year. Um, and just to highlight the point I was making, here comes Kevin over on Facebook asking, morning guys, how are you feeling about our tackles? Hearing they are having a tough time in training camp. Well, Kevin, are they struggling just because they're being put in tough situations and they're being challenged? Lots of one-on-ones, no help, no running game, and this is what we want to work on. Or are they struggling because the edge guys, Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper, are having outstanding camps and they're unblockable? You just don't know. You don't know. Um, Again, I'm going to put, I'm going to work on, coaches are going to work on what they need to work on the most. And that usually means failure to the point of failure. It's like, listen, we're not running the ball. Okay, well, we're going to run the ball a lot in this. And we're going to make it hard to run. I'm going to stack the box with 10 and you're going to have to run the ball. Well, they can't run the ball at all. Well, they're facing a 10 man front. Okay. I mean, it's, I, I just, encourage everybody to hedge everything you hear about training camp because it's Bronco on Bronco. And until it's Bronco on someone else, you don't know what you've got for sure. I know what I've got here in Jonathan though. Jonathan comes in, made me laugh while I was reading. Since I became a dad a few months ago, so I'm finally early up early enough to catch you guys live. We'll appreciate it. I'm glad you're here. That said, I'm listening on headphones because I don't want my daughter's first word to be Iowa. Go Appreciate you guys. Might be special teams. It, it yeah. could be special teams, trenches, Punch. trenches, trenches. Any of those things would be good. So, Jonathan, congratulations. Uh, appreciate you being here with us. And I hope it's uh, your first is nice and easy. I think mine was sleeping through the night at eight weeks. My first one was, which was which was really, really nice. Uh, my second has been a pain since birth. But uh, the first was really easy. So, um, congratulations, man. And, and appreciate you being here with us. And go Hawks. Got to get her. Got to get him a little uh, Hawkeye <laughs> helmet or something. Good morning, Broncos country from Bama X. Hope you're doing well. We appreciate you coming in. Saul's in the house. Good morning, Saul. Appreciate you. Elliot is crazy. Says good morning. Char Baldwin. Always appreciate Char coming in with a coffee cup. Says good morning, guys. David Youngkin in the house as well. Good to see you. Pearl Heater. Good morning to you, Pearl. Hope things are going well. And uh, Zach Powers, of course, too. Morning, morning. Trying to catch up and say hello to everybody. Scott, you can tell the season is right around the corner because the chat is popping, as are the Super Chats. Gary Palmer coming in here saying good morning, Nick and Scott. Is there anyone flying under the radar that we should keep an eye on? Uh, does seem like Brendan Johnson is a name to keep an eye on. We were pretty hyped about him last uh, training camp. He was kind of an undrafted free agent. Like, oh, my gosh, this guy's making plays left and right. And opportunity knocks uh, now that there has been unfortunate injuries for the Broncos at wide receiver. Uh, so Brendan Johnson, I think is somewhat flying under the radar. I'm not expecting him to outperform out snap Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, but uh, Brandon Johnson versus Marvin Mims. I think the snap count discussion, it's I'm obviously leading Marvin Mims on that one, but I think there's a snap count discussion where maybe Johnson actually is a uh, closer there uh, than we'd thought originally. We'll see. And, and that's the only way to find out Nick is through the snap counts when it matters, who's getting the targets, et cetera, et cetera. Cause you think, trading up for a second round, nothing but good things. Brendan Johnson had this camp last year and was never seen from again. That Marvin Mims is still going to be the guy come come Sundays. Um, is it possible 
that Lloyd Cushenberry is flying under the radar right now? I mean, he has an opportunity and he's got nowhere to go but up. So it's, I'd say quiet. yes. Yeah. Quiet is a good thing right now if you're Lloyd Cushenberry. It's a really good thing. You're not saying, my God, they can't get anything done because the, the center's getting blown up. Um, listening to his press conferences, I did three videos on Mile High Huddle YouTube, so check them out. But one of them was his praise for his new coaches. He's like, one of them was a, a center for 14 years. And some of the stuff he sees and some of the stuff I do and watching some of the stuff that they did in New Orleans, I've watched every game for like the last 15 years. He he doesn't exude confidence, but he's still speaking confidently. Mm -hmm. um, a quiet camp for Lloyd Cushenberry to let him slide under the radar is a good thing. It's a good thing for the Denver. I mean, we're, we're rooting for him, of course. Yeah, um, I've been on, as tough on him as anybody out here Tough, but I believe fair. I want the guy to succeed, man. I don't. I don't root against people. Most people, I'm not rooting most against him. So, it's been a pretty quiet camp for Lloyd Cushenberry. He came to mind when you asked this question, Gary. And Scott, it comes back to the point you've made twice today already about the zero sum of what it means. Quiet camp. Well, is that because he's finally, you know, figured it out and you know he looks big up there? Let me tell you that in the press conference, he looks like pretty broad shouldered out there. Well, Maybe I know. That we talk about strength. I'm sure this guy can bench press a truck and squat a house. Yeah. I mean, telling him to get in the weight room would be silly. That's that doesn't you know, playing with power is different. That becomes natural strength, not that it's just just different. The way you're yeah. The length of your bones makes a difference in core power and all that type of thing. There's some things you're not going to be able to do. I don't have any doubt. You've never heard me say he needs to get in the weight room. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that because I bet he probably squats 500 pounds. Easy. Yeah. It's, the squatting's big out there for the uh, and the hand cling, yeah. right? For those uh, NFL players, the explosiveness and the core, not so much the beauty muscles with the, uh, the bench press and whatnot and the curls. But it will be curious to see. Uh, what happens with Cushenberry this year again, though, comes back to you mentioned it a few times. I just wanted to add the additional, I guess, dialogue of zero sum training camp is zero sum because, as you mentioned, if one of your players has succeeded, that means one of your players is probably losing those matchups. So curious to see what it looks like for Lloyd Cushenberry against again. Uh, <laughs> it's too bad that we're playing the Cardinals first. I guess maybe not because it'd be fun to win, although if the Broncos look like but against them, then we'll be hitting the panic button in a preseason game. They've got something to prove too, you know. Yeah. So, the, the, so the Cardinals are going to come out stronger than, let's say, uh, I hate to say it, but the, the Chiefs might. You know, the Chiefs might have all twos and threes out there. The Cardinals will be coming out there and trying to win jobs, go out there and giving it their best. So they don't sleep on the Cardinals. For preseason, for goodness sakes. Yeah, for preseason. I'm sleeping on them a little bit this season. I think that's a uh, that's a Caleb Williams yeah, that's not sleeping. We, we, we're, we're about ready to put them down. Yeah, God. I've seen some of the videos coming out of training camp there, but it looks pretty uh, <laughs> pretty poor. Uh, but uh, theme of the day, our main uh, topic of the day, is PFF put out an article listing bold predictions. And my God, Scott, were these predictions extremely bold um, from PFF. You guys can check it out. And their number one bold prediction for the Denver Broncos this year was – the Broncos make the AFC championship game. Uh, they write in the article last season was a disaster for Denver. The Russell Wilson trade is in danger of being one of the single worst roster moves in NFL history. And the head coach presiding over the debacle was fired before the season concluded his replacement. Sean Payton already cost the Broncos the first round pick to hire and has been confident enough in his own analysis to publicly blow torch Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> that made Love me that. laugh. Yeah. Payton has well, an incredible track. Blow, blow torch Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> What about the code, Scott? Nice, nice line, Sam. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, Peyton has had an incredible track record of success and an elite win rate without Drew Brees as his quarterback. If he pieces Wilson back together again, the Broncos still have a roster capable of making major noise, even in a loaded AFC. So what a bold prediction. I think that a making the AFC championship game is a little bit too bold for my take. Uh, I, I would sell this. I think it's probably maybe a uh, if I was putting odds on this, maybe 3% out of a hundred, you know, 3% chance of happening for three to 5%, yeah, 30 to one. I bet the odds aren't that good. I bet you they aren't uh, yeah. as well. Cause I mean, as the last sentence said, the AFC is loaded yeah. right now. So a uh, question for you though, Scott, what is more likely the Broncos not win the AFC championship, but make the AFC championship game mm -hmm. or the Broncos win the AFC West because AFC West, 
it might be easier to get high. Yeah, I think the path to the AFC championship game will be easier than winning the AFC West. And this is assuming, you know, it's not whoever the backup quarterback for Chiefs is because Mahomes. Think, think of it like this. We were we were doing predictions, you know, there were there were one one of the shows we did, and it was um, you know, if, if you do this, I think it was Thomas was saying, if they do this, that means they've taken over the AFC West. And I think it was 12 and five, or it may have been 11 and six was a prediction. If that means that I'm like, wait a minute now, y'all 11 wins, no, I, 11 wins would not have won the AFC West in the last six years. Hmm. It wouldn't. I mean, you've got the chiefs there at 14 and three, 12 and five, 14 and two, 12 and four, 12 and four. And then 2017 was 10 and six and then 12 and four again. So what's more likely you go 10 and seven and get a good draw and win two games in a row or that you're going to have to go 13 and four. I think, I think 10 and seven and and winning two game, two playoff games is more likely. However, unlikely, I think that's more likely than this team going 13 and four. And that still might not win it, Nick. Yeah. It could take 15 and two to win this, to win the division. It very well could. Now that said, if you're going if you're winning the division, it probably means that you're beating Casey at least once. So you're flipping a game on their schedule and your schedule. But uh, the one thing that makes me curious about this and they put a little protections in it, if we were betting is that if Mahomes goes down like week two, then, you know, open season, uh, then I might yeah. completely change my discussion here. We, that, that I almost want to put a disclaimer down here. Yeah. It's like every prediction assumes no injuries because you can say that every yeah. time you make a prediction. But you know, specifically, how many Mahomes. yards should Russell Wilson have? Well, you know, assuming he doesn't get injured. Yeah, yeah that, that's a disclaimer yeah. for every single prediction. I think it's yeah, you have to say it, though, with Patrick Mahomes, because, again, number one player in the NFL top 100. I mean, he's one of the most valuable yeah, players. I mean, if and... he goes down, then the, 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 the division's wide open. Yes. Um, yeah. Until we see otherwise it, the pencil the Chiefs in for 12 to 13 wins. Yep. So a very bold prediction here in this article from Sam Monson, I believe is who wrote the article for PFF. Uh, yep. Sam Monson. So Broncos making the AFC championship game. I do believe that uh, the saints made the NFC championship game in Sean Payton's first year as the head coach there. I could be mistaken, uh, but uh, there is a track record of that. It's just the AFC is such a gauntlet. I mean, we obviously talk chiefs, chiefs, chiefs in here, but the Bengals are unbelievable. Chargers still have Justin Herbert. Jacksonville's are rising. All right. Jacksonville's a rising monster. I mean, just the Ravens are still good. It's going to be for the Bills, of course. Uh, so it's still going to be pretty darn Stewart's hard. Haven't had a losing season in 20 years. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins are pretty darn good as well with what they can do. I mean, it's just, it's I mean, pretty Someone's got to go down, right? I mean, yep. yep. unfortunately for Denver, the last six years has been the Broncos. You know, <laughs> the Broncos were in that conversation before that. Now it's time to take your place back. Yep. So it'll be curious to follow uh, how how they do, but that's a pretty damn bold prediction. Um, and uh, for if the Broncos are doing that, Sean Payton can blowtorch whoever he wants. I don't call uh, it a prediction until someone's willing to put their money down on it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just saying, hey, this could happen. <laughs> I mean, it is called bold predictions for every team yeah, for know, a reason. I know. So, uh, number two on this list, Denver signs a veteran running back before week one. Uh, so I don't know how bold this one is, but let's get into it. All of the reports surrounding Javante Williams are positive so far. Talking about a miraculous comeback and recovery for him to be ready to go and effective in week one, given the severity of his knee injury would truly be bordering on miraculous. That's a word we used on here a few times about this. Uh, but anything short of that would give Denver real incentive to sign a veteran to cover in the meantime. Samaje P. Ryan is a nice addition as a third down back, but the team doesn't have any proven uh, running backs to cover of any proven Williams cover as a bell cow. If he can't hit the ground running from his recovery. So saying the Broncos will sign a running back. There was a rumor this week that the, um, from Mike Florio of NBC sports, that if Josh Jacobs became available, the Broncos would be interested in signing him. And there are other running backs still available as well. So I think it's certainly possible. The Broncos could still sign a running back before the start of the season. And there's still a number of running backs out there that could provide value. Uh, if you're not hundred percent good to go with Javante Williams. Yeah, I don't expect that to happen either. So I call that a, a still a bold prediction. They did sign cover for, and I know he hedged this, so he, he got into it. Um, they did sign cover for John, Javante Williams. It was Samar J. P. Ryan. Mm-hmm. That that is your veteran cover. So now he is he a proven bell cow? No, but what's a bell cow back these days? 
Zeke Elliott, Christian McCaffrey. 25 carries a game. No one. No one's getting 25 carries a game. I think it's more about the touches, um, given the usage of the pass game. So like Christian McCaffrey and Samaj P. Ryan would qualify for the 25 touches. Um, but there's like five guys in the league. Yeah. yeah. So you've got cover. You've got to have two backs. Right now, it's Samaj P. Ryan. And if it's not Javante Williams, obviously, then do you feel good about a second back, uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, Tony Jones, someone like that, until you get Javante Williams? And again, no setbacks, assuming no setbacks. It's just on the standard timeline of Javante Williams. But right now, Javante Williams miraculously looks like he's ready for week one. I'm so still going to not be- expect them to sign a running back. I do not. I think we will. Ha- they're going to make a decision on that because the running back market has been slow played so mm-hmm. far. I did see that Cream Hunt is visiting the Saints, so that's one that's still out there. I think. I mean, unless I was missed something while I was out in the wilderness, but Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott are still out there as well. So there's still running back options out there as well. I think the Broncos are going to want to gather as much data as possible from these preseason games and then see how not only how Williams is pre- performing physically but also mentally uh, what he's looking at. Cause he is a physical runner. And if he's out there looking timid in actual physical contact, well, maybe he's not quite ready yet. Maybe we right. do need to sign somebody. So there's no re there's still options out there. There's no right. reason to rush it to a signing. Right. And, and I just, I don't think when I hear veteran, will you bring guys in? Could they sign another one? It's God. So they wouldn't sign another one. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I mean like one of the names, like you're talking about Nick, Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt, Dalvin cook, Josh Jacobs, if he's waived and that's, we're talking Lamar Jackson territory here of, you know, of things that aren't going to happen um, that I don't expect them to bring in a name guy. That's three plus million. Could they make a Latavius Murray type move? Absolutely. Absolutely. That could happen. And I expect that to happen through the course of a year, but yeah. before week one, no, I don't expect them to get on board with one of these named guys. I do not. And that's why I agree that that I, I do consider that a bold prediction. I am still in the, I need to see it from Williams in the game setting uh, before I'm fully closing the door on that. Just because I'm having a really hard time <laughs> comprehending that he's going to be back after that injury. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. There's no precedent. Until, until it is unprecedented. It, it, it really, it's truly is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I will have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Yep. That's uh Part of the, you know, what do we call say, Scott? We're both Missourians at heart. Uh, show me state. <laughs> Char Baldwin come in as you guys uh, says, do you guys think the Bronco or the NFL will flex the game f- week five game? So Jets Broncos being flexed to Sunday night football, I believe is what they could do. I don't think they will. I think they can only flex two games um, from weeks like five to 13 or there's some uh, arbitrary time range. And if week five was kind of a not marquee matchup, then we'd see that. But it's. 49ers versus Cowboys. I think they're going to keep that one in their pocket there and uh, keep the Jets Broncos at whatever the second uh, morning afternoon time slot and have a chance to flex later on in the year. But if it was like, you know, Jags versus Colts, maybe we'd see a flex out there, although Jags are an interesting team this year, but it's not. When we say flex, does that mean switch from to an 820 game on Sunday? Yes. Right now, the schedule is Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers. I can't no, see them getting rid of that. You're one. not flexing the Cowboys. It just, and the 49ers, yeah. no matter what their record, if they're Owen four, the Cowboys are still the biggest rating straw in the NFL. Yep. So it's uh, it's too bad that it falls that on one that to one. bed. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it'll be a great, interesting matchup. No doubt Broncos uh, jets, but that one will not be a night game because 49ers are very interesting, big fan base as well. And then of course the, uh, the Cowboys on TV, always getting uh, a lot of love and uh, eyeballs. Uh, we have Kevin Grace. I don't think Raiders would nix trade to us for Jacobs. The report from Mike Florio is that they would rescind the franchise tag. And then Which Jacobs the would become waving him. Yes. Although wave, you go for the wires. I think rescinding to right. be a true free agent. Right. So, um, Kev, so Kevin, when we're, when we're making this discussion, it means he's available, not trade. Yes. So if they, they pull his tag, cause he hasn't, he is a free agent. Technically I mean, he's like a restricted free agent right now. Um, he's not under contract with, I'll call him Oakland until I die. I swear to God, I will Vegas. And the, the, he's not under contract with the Raiders right now because he hasn't signed it. So if they rescind the offer, then he would be cut. So it's not, it's really not about a trade. Yep. Yep. Probably not going to happen. Um, but uh, if he does hit the market, the two teams linked to him are the, uh, the Broncos and the chiefs, and it would be 
Unfortunate the Chiefs signed him, but very much a uh, win now. And uh, we have Richie Rich saying, Nick, I disagree. The Jets are going to be really well, and the Broncos are doing well. Could see it happening. Jets, Broncos, there's a lot of hype. I th- the thing is, they only have a limited amount of games that they can flex as well, and they already have the Cowboys 49ers in their pockets. They're not moving I just, the Cowboys. They're I just, just not, Richie. I, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I we'll just, come I, back to this one if it does and say, see, I told you so. But the Cowboys have been the ratings darling for TV networks for 30 years. Yeah. They don't. Uh, who is it just in here? Uh, Keith says the Cowboys have never been flexed. Yeah, they're they're not going to be taken out of. If you've got the Bronco, if you've got the Cowboys 49ers, you're not moving them out of it. Just it's just not. I mean, the Cowboys fans flex themselves over their uh, VHS tapes from the <laughs> 90s all the time. But the, other than that, um, I just can't see it happening. I mean, I guess if like the Cowboys are 0 and 4 and the 49ers are 1 and 3 and it just looks like a dud of a matchup and the Broncos and, and Jets, even then it's questionable. Even then it's questionable. Because yep, it's the freaking Cowboys. Yep. I mean, the Cowboys so, have, when was the last time the re- the Cowboys were actually relevant? Uh, that year that they went into Lambeau and lost on the Des catch when they were like, I think it was Dak's rookie year. They were pretty relevant that season. Well, they won was like that 2008. I don't even know how long ago was that. That had been like, it had to have been, it had to have been 10 years ago, at least. Mm, I think it was about 10 years ago. I think it was like, I was working at NFL network calling Oklahoma state about Des Bryant. That's how long ago it was. That was, Oh, seven, oh, eight. I think that I was in years when he was coming out of Oklahoma state. Yeah, it was Dak Prescott's rookie season, which would have been about 20. It would have been right after Peyton Manning. So about 2014 to 2015, 16, I believe. Cause Dak hasn't been on that new contract that long. The point is, yeah, yeah he's a uh, 16 was his rookie contract. So yeah, because it would it was the Paxton Lynch draft. I wanted them to draft Dak and Chris Jones, and they ended up taking uh, Adam Gotsis and yeah, Paxton right. Lynch instead. The point is they're they're still they still get the primetime games. They still get yes. the national. When we talk about, I look at I, I forgot the name of the site, but they show who's got the national game. You know, you get your local game, and then the rest of the country gets. I've I've told you all before. Growing up in Atlanta with the Falcons, the Raiders and the Cowboys were on every week. Every single week, Isaiah says the Des catch was Romo. I believe that. Um, I just, yeah, I thought it was farther back than that. Yeah. Well, maybe it was 2014, 2015 then. So we are approaching, um, a, uh, a decade, but, uh, I digress. Uh, a lot of Cowboys talking here. I just can't see them flexing the Broncos week five. Uh, last bold prediction though, before we start to wrapping it up in the last, you know, 10 minutes of the show today, Jeremy, you are, we are approaching an hour here. So God bless you. Um, number three, pretty shocking one here for me. Um, Marvin Mims leads the team in receiving. Uh, so the article goes on. Jerry Judy is one of the best route running separators in the NFL, but his biggest strength is the middle of the field. The area Russell Wilson has struggled to connect with the most. Cortland Sutton has been solid when healthy, but has not rediscovered his play from 2019 or threatened to exceed that. Mims excelled in virtually every measure in college and has a skill set that could remind Wilson of Tyler Lockett in Seattle. Mims generated 2.7 yards per route run last season. All six of his touchdowns came on deep strikes. So Marvin Mims leading the team in receiving. I don't know if this is the boldest of all the takes. I think the boldest is probably the AFC championship one. Uh, But I think that Mims leading the team in receiving to me means uh, yards and or receptions. They didn't specify Mm -hmm. what specific stat, but given that he is a big play guy, I'm looking more efficiency explosiveness versus the high uh, output um, of the receptions. Also, one thing I'll disagree with that uh, Monson writes here is that Jerry Judy does his best work over the middle of the field. I think in it seems like that when you're looking at the surface, but given Judy's struggles with physicality, I think giving him a little bit more space and playing the boundary is, I think, where he's going to end up playing more this season uh, for the Broncos, not over the middle of the field. And we kind of saw him unlocked on the boundary last year um, after he moved from slot to the X uh, when the team moved in there the last four weeks of the season. Here's how bold a prediction it is. Run through who are your leading receivers for this team? I mean, Judy. Are you saying yeah, that you're number right one? Here? Judy, I'd say one. Judy. I'd say Sutton, two. Number two, probably Sutton. Number three and four might be a running back. I was going to say number three. I'm leaning Javante Williams. Maybe not yards, but in terms of receptions. And then probably yeah. I'd get to so number four is number three and four, I think might be running back and or tight end. So I'm thinking five at best. For Marvin Mims, as far as leading receivers for this team. So for him to go to five to one would be a a leap. It would. It'd be a leap. 
So I'm curious to see what he looks like. I mean, obviously he's the, now that uh, KJ Hamler has been medically waived, could be back, but we'll see what happens with uh, KJ Hamler. Uh, Mims is kind of the guy who plays that skill set. Also the fact that Sean Payton traded up for Mims. I mean, that's, that speaks loudly uh, to their value of what they think of him. So we'll be curious to see what the role is, but the fact that he's leading the team in uh, receiving in this, I think it much more likely to be yards than it is receptions. Uh, but I still think that's pretty, I don't think that's super likely given what we know about Sean Payton and what we know about rookie wide receivers that aren't lottery picks. How many yards does a leading receiver have this year? That's, you know, another prediction. So I, I think 1100 is fair, but we've also said that you might, you could pass for 4,000 yards plus and not have a thousand yard receiver this year. Yeah. Um, if you don't, if Jerry Judy doesn't break a thousand yards this year, it'll be disappointing. Yep. Yeah. I probably put it at about 1,050, you know, like right at that number, just barely, but that's a probably way to put the leading receiver number at just because yeah, I think it's going to be a lot I'm, of rushing. I'm thinking Judy should go 1150 this year. I hope so. Eight touchdowns. Jerry Judy, 1150, eight touchdowns, leads the team in both categories. That would be great. I'm curious to see what the red zone offense looks like, mm-hmm. uh, given what we know about Jerry Judy and struggles and physicality in his game to date. Maybe the red zone and the compressed spaces make it a little bit hard, uh, but will be interesting uh, to see what that looks like overall. Maybe Dulcich is the guy in the red zone. I, I don't know. Maybe, they, uh, maybe it's going to be Riley Dixon. I don't know if you saw the report yesterday talking about him uh, – doing some throwing stuff out there, given his arm talent. He was a pretty good trick play uh, punt quarterback in uh, Syracuse as well. So maybe we'll see some fun stuff Uh, before we wrap up the show. I did want to uh, talk a little bit about Sean Payton's press conference yesterday. Um, Let me pull up the, uh, the interview here are the, uh, the key points from, I think James Palmer had a tweet on it, but uh, pretty much the Broncos are going to have to run a pretty tight ship uh, versus the, uh, the Cardinals this week. And here's what James Palmer has to say. Uh, Sean Payton doesn't want to see dur- what Sean Payton doesn't want to see during the Broncos first preseason game Friday after the starters are pulled one. He wants to see nobody with their uniforms off after you're done playing. So everybody's still in solidarity, not hitting the locker rooms early and changing Two, no sunglasses, three, no Gilligan hats. So the, the bucket hats and four, no interviews during the game. I it's old school. Obviously Sean Payton, what he wants from the teams, what he demands from them. I'm going to be very curious to see how number four can even happen because I think the networks have, if we learned anything from college football this week, it's that the networks own everything. It's all about <laughs> the money and the TV at the end of the day. And that's true for the NFL as well. Uh, so the no interviews during the games, I don't know how they're going to be able to do that because the interviews, I think the networks have mandated interview slots in these preseason including games. going into halftime i mean 99 yeah. of those going into halftime what do you think coach what do you got to do blah 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 we got to give it better we got to get better 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 and better and better okay thanks coach see you later just a complete waste of time um nick saban is actually one of the few people that are good at those um but that's it but that's one of those mandated times too so yeah they may have contractually and what do you do you pay a fine so that's what happens and who's going to pay that fine with the Denver Broncos? You're going to have to pay a $10,000 fine to not, if this player doesn't have an interview. Okay, fine. Bill me. I'm curious if they can get around that by like having like legends on the sideline or, you know, other coaches and stuff like have the interview like, Oh, here's Terrell Davis on the sideline for this preseason game or something. I I don't know, but I feel like the, I'm pretty sure NFL, you, you worked there. I think there's like contractually obligated yeah, I think interview slots pulled. So be it. I mean, whatever. You know, if, if, yeah. if I'm standing there, you know, and that was the point is I don't want people in bucket hats and sunglasses. I want them still being invested in the game. Well, your quarterback, and this is probably the least person he wants out there giving interviews is Russell Wilson. Just, we want you all business, but the quarterback getting an interview of a fourth quarter that hasn't played since the first while the defense is on the field. So what? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of obligations. One of the most famous quotes of all time in this Keith Brugman coming in, reminding us of uh, beast mode. I'm just here. So I don't get fined. Gotta love beast mode, even though he uh, broke our hearts in 2013, but that was a, that was a decade ago. I think we can forgive and forget on that one. You're uh, not Irish. <laughs> definitely not. Um, I, <laughs> I'm German. So I live on forgiving and forgetting, 
on that one. Um, but the American first, uh, but uh, appreciate everybody coming in today. Hopefully everybody is having a, a good week. Uh, we talked about PFFs, uh, bold predictions. They said the Broncos really bold predictions, making the AFC championship game, signing a running back as well as Marvin Mims leading the team and talked a lot about camp and uh, just different things we've heard. Uh, we'll, can, we'll be back again tomorrow morning as well, and I'll be here tonight with uh, Carl to talk a little bit more Broncos. And we got Michael coming in with a second super chat saying, great show today, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos and Buckham. We appreciate you double dipping today, Michael. Hope you're doing well. Uh, and uh, Scott, any final thoughts before we wrap it on up today? Talked a no, lot. Just some shout-outs. Uh, the, the super chats and stars were killing it today. Troy, thank you. Yeah. Donald Willison, Stuart Sanchez, Michael several times. Darius, Daniel Swafford, uh, Jonathan coming in. Hope we are able to help your daughter keep sleeping. And Gary Palmer, thank you all very much. Uh, it's always appreciated keeping the lights on and keeping my forehead nice and shiny. Yeah, we do appreciate you all you coming in here. Hopefully everybody's having a uh, good Tuesday. We'll see you again tonight. Make sure you're following Scott on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at BFB underscore pod as well as at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook communities, facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle pod. And as the ticker says here underneath, if you're joining us on YouTube today, please subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like the show today with Scott and I and share it on your social media platforms. We always do appreciate that. Uh, we will see you guys, like I said, again tonight on Building the Broncos with Carl and myself. But until then, you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. Uh, continue to choose kindness and compassion. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. <laughs>